0: Sir Don McKinnon, former Minister of Foreign Affairs, Deputy Prime Minister of New Zealand and Secretary-General of the Commonwealth, came to know Queen Elizabeth well during his eight years as Commonwealth Secretary-General. He joins me from London. Sir Don, good evening to you.
1: Good evening to you, Kerry, too.
0: Now, your knighthood actually came from the Queen. You were offered one from the New Zealand government when you left. You turned that one down. But the Queen, you were... Your actual surdom comes from the Queen, doesn't it?
1: <laughs> yes, that, that, that's right,
0: very and congratulations on your homework. <laughs> you, you can't really turn down the Queen, can you? Well, that's right. I
1: guess I was one of those that felt at the end of you know my time as Minister, I was of the opinion, actually with a number of my colleagues, that we should have dispensed with methods in New Zealand, The uh, The Canadians dispensed with knighthoods in the late 1940s. The Australians dispensed with them in the 1970s. And I really thought that they were part of another age and that we should move on. Um, And therefore, yes, I did decline what was offered. But but then when Her Majesty uh, makes it known that she wishes to grant you something very personally and having work with her for well i don't say work with her but i yeah. met her many many times over eight years and talked with, about her of many things when she offered me very hard to say no
0: yes she must have thought there was something a bit remiss about you not having one when you popped over when you came over to to work Well, I don't know whether she
1: thought too much about that really. I think uh, she had many others to think think about. But she, you know, from the first time I had a, you know, the first long meeting with her, these were, you know, half an hour and 45 minute meetings I used to have. you know, we could talk about many things after a while once you got past the normal preliminaries and that mm. uh, knighthoods and uh, <laughs> peerages certainly wasn't one of them. No.
0: What is it? Because I've often wondered, you did have a, a real connection with the Queen and both of you met many people, both of you knew how to get on with many people, um, but a real connection is quite rare. What what was it, do you think, that you had in common?
1: It's, uh, it's hard to put your finger on it, but you know I knew that she had she had a strong interest in agriculture, strong interest in horses, uh, dairy cows in particular, <laughs> uh, dogs of course because they were there I often used to see dogs in Windsor Castle. but um, I suppose that being a New Zealander you're not easily slotted into a sort of a, a class, in your society, when when like in England, you know, as soon as uh, a person opens their mouth, you can almost tell which class they come from or where they come from, and and that stratifies people often from birth. But uh, when you're a Kiwi or an Australian, you know, you're you're sort of in a in a a grey zone I suppose and therefore it's much easier to engage with people and therefore the person such as the monarch who you're dealing with she she also doesn't have to sort of vaguely categorise you in the back of her mind
0: Yes, exactly It also struck me that she was incredibly well read and absolutely knew her onions when it came to whatever she was discussing Did you find that Around the countries of the Commonwealth, she she, she knew what she was oh talking yeah, about. She,
1: she had very much had a broad range of interests, uh, but she always had lots of snippets about Commonwealth countries that, uh, not so much uh, as a result of extensive reading, but just she had that ability to pick up information which had some relevance to maybe the you know a point of discussion that I was wishing to raise, and if I was talking about you know, so-and-so uh, president of Tanzania, and she was able to say, oh, yes, he followed so-and-so yeah. and didn't actually last very long. Yeah. And so you knew that she was on top of these things um, without necessarily needing an absolute in-depth knowledge of the, the politics of Tanzania. Huh.
0: And did she feel strongly that the Commonwealth should remain as such, like a... a... A band of brothers, so to speak.
1: Well, she always felt that uh, there was much we could do, mm. and it, it was certainly my role that, uh, as the Secretary General, you did as much as you could. Couldn't compete against the UN when it comes to aid programs, or the or the European Union. You actually, and the Commonwealth did often employ. Strong diplomatic skills, but what we call soft diplomacy—you yeah. work in those areas where you work with people. You you stay out of the limelight as much as you can. We never had access to hard power. You know, that that is only for the larger nations of the world, or those those smaller nations who get very struck about something and wish to. You know, at the point of a gun, something's going to happen. So, the Commonwealth's ability to deploy soft power has been used very successfully in a number of areas. I was involved in some, but you can go right back to the fact that the Commonwealth very stood very strongly against the issue of apartheid many more years before even England was agreed. To agree with uh, the same position mm. as the Commonwealth. So, uh, and the United States, they were quite late comers when it came to forcing the issue on South Africa.
0: What what happens next, do you think?
1: Well, look, the Commonwealth is still, you know, uh, uh, <laughs> about two billion people, I think, so it's a fair chunk of the world. The, the important thing is that whether we think the Commonwealth is a benefit or not, and that is whatever the public does think, there will always be a determination to bring together all the English-speaking peoples of the world. And that's what the Commonwealth is, with the exception of the United States. And that doesn't really suggest it's a deficiency. But if the Commonwealth wasn't, there, someone would soon invent one. And it's very interesting that... You know, the the La Francophonie, which is the, the counterpart of the Commonwealth amongst the French nations of the world or nations that have been colonized by French, they have moved to being more like the Commonwealth in terms of influencing those countries that have strayed from the path of true governance. So they've been wanting to do the same. Then, of course, the Portuguese-speaking nations of the world got together under the the Lusophone community and wanted to do very much the same. So there is space for organizations as long as they're doing good things, Mm -hmm. as long as they can prove to their membership that they're doing good things and it's worthwhile being a member of that organization.
0: And what will be your enduring memory of Queen Elizabeth Sudan?
1: A very smart woman with a very ready smile, who would laugh and chuckle a lot, uh, not not in sort of public a lot, but certainly in private, she could she could laugh and chuckle at things, uh, someone who was always interested in what was going on.
0: Lovely. Thank you so much for your time, Sir Don, and I am sorry for your loss of a, of a friend.